Welcome back to the Sales Leader Show. Joining me today is Danilo Caprick. He is a commercial account executive at Databricks. He's closed deals in the multiple six figures and is on his way to closing regular million-dollar deals. He's worked for companies like Gartner, New Relic, and now Databricks. Or, yeah, Databricks. He's also an adjunct sales coach at Satellite, helping aspiring SDRs or sales development reps gain the skills they'll, they'll need. And today we'll dig into the purpose that keeps him sharp through the ups and downs. Danilo, how are you doing today? Oh man, after an intro like that, I'm feeling great like five lakes and no mistakes. Thank you, Robert. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Um, I'm not going to put you on the spot, mm -hmm. but you know, right off the bat, you said you wrapped right before we hop on the call. Like, do you have any places we can listen to it? Like what's going on? Yes. Um, at the end of this, um, uh, I think we'll talk about, you know, how to, how to reach me or whatnot, but yep. there's actually a link on my LinkedIn. Um, it'll bring me to my link tree, which gives you, you know, things about my hypothesis services and other sales related stuff. But I yeah. also put, um, a SoundCloud link. And so I have links to all my songs there. And the funny thing is, since we're on the topic of purpose for today, I would say 99, yeah, actually all of them, 100% of the songs are really about my purpose that drives me in sales. Um, and yeah. I find a way to express it through music. So yeah, take a look. That's awesome, man. That is awesome. Yes, we'll definitely link that up. That'll be fun. I, I haven't listened to any yet. So the listeners and I will, will uh, jump on that at the same time, probably. Um, Go for it. All right, Danilo. So when we had our pre-interview call, I absolutely was so pumped to have this conversation because your purpose is so clear and it's such an important part of your story. And I think sometimes in sales, at least for me, sometimes I've forgotten about why I'm doing it. And I just think about, am I going to hit quota or, you know, I start stressing out with the minutia and the day to day, but I'm going to start kind of at the beginning with you. So what caused you to be so driven to succeed in your career? Mm. Well, I think there's, there's always two different kinds of, of drivers for purpose. In my opinion, I think you have natural drivers, which is a case where, you know, someone is just naturally ambitious. They have that type A personality. They've always been fixated on some kind of greater outcome. And then you have forced drivers of success. These are, you know, maybe people who had to act in survival mode or they had no other choice. It was either do this or perish, right? For me, um, I found myself in the latter category of, of that forced kind of survival mode stuff. Um, and what happened, unfortunately, was, you know, it was a, a normal day in 2012 for me. I was a college student at Florida Gulf Coast University studying for a, a biology test. Um, and I got a life-changing phone call, man. Unfortunately, my, my father passed away without any kind of uh, heads up. He had no kind of health issues or whatever. But random heart attack just took his life, right? So immediately my life had to change. My mom's life had to change. My sister's life had to change. Um, the way I was going to fund my education had to change. Where I worked had to change. How many jobs I had had to change. All this stuff, right? So um, at that point, uh, and based on my cultural upbringing too, when, when, I, when my father passed, it was just an automatic. I knew that I was going to have extra responsibility. I knew that I was going to be, you know, in, in, in charge or, or held responsible for making sure that my mom is okay, that my sister's okay, that us as a unit remain together, right? And also maintain that financial stability that we used to have. So that's how it kind of found me. And, you know, you could argue that, um, 
you know, I, I always, I always have a difficult time saying this, but on some, on some, in some ways, right. Um, having my father leave at that time in my life, it was a blessing in the sense that it put me in the hardest position and that tough position kind of allowed me to flourish and have that purpose early on. Whereas with other folks, maybe they don't find it until later on in life, or maybe it's, it's later on when they've had a moment of I've had enough and they demand personal change within themselves. But for me, it was kind of like obvious big life event, no other choice, but to go in this direction, let's do it. Let's give it everything we got. And even if we don't get it on the first try, like we're going to find a way. So that's kind of how it happened for me in terms of identifying the purpose and, you know, what's carried me to this point. Man, that's crazy. Um, I, I'm curious. So, you know, you mentioned that when that happened, you kind of immediately knew that you were going to have some extra responsibility to take care of your family. Was that overwhelming or was that something that you were prepared for from a, you know, um, psychological standpoint? Definitely nothing. I I don't think anyone can be prepared for uh, a situation like that, candidly, but um, Mm -hmm. was definitely not prepared. Um, I went through a lot of, that was probably the the most anxiety I've ever gone through in my life, right? Just wondering about how we're going to get through. Am I going to be able to find a solution? Will I be able to get us back to that point? Um, and I had to do a lot to work on my mental health during that time in my life. Um, definitely sought out therapy. I believe it or not, that that incident also caused me to start reading a lot about personal development um, and books that were on psychology. Uh, since at the time I couldn't afford therapy when it first happened, you know that was my best other solution. So um, I would say that yes, later on, as I as I did get that financial stability. I was able to invest a lot more in things like therapy um, that really helped me maintain my psychological state. But yeah, I was definitely not prepared for any of that. And uh, again, that was the beauty of it, right? Because through that unpreparedness, um, I realized that, wow, like, you know, there's, there's a lot I have to learn here and uh, was able to, to do it, although not in a beautiful way or not in the, the easiest way, um, but it got done, right? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also heard that you mentioned a second ago that you know, I, I'm not going to quote you verbatim because I don't remember, but something to the effect of, listen, I knew I had to get it done. Even if it wasn't on the first try, we'll try again. I think that's a really important concept because it's very easy to cr- crumble under the pressure if you think you have to be perfect and you don't give your per- yourself permission to make mistakes. So, where did that come from, from within you? What gave you the fortitude to say, listen, I'm going to do it my best. And then we're going to see the results and make decisions based on that. How, how did that, was that something you were kind of born with, or is that something that you just were forced into? How did that come about? I would say most of that was, was really cultural. Like my family comes from Eastern Europe. My dad is from Bosnia. Mom is from Montenegro. And over there, it's, it's really like a, I don't know, things are in black and white a lot. It's like all or nothing type of attitude. And if you're going to do something like your word, the value of your word, we can compare that to like your honor, right? And if you say something over there and it does not get done, right? Like there's a reputation. And I've always, even as a kid, like I've always prided myself on being someone who's the most dependable person in the room. If I say X, Y, Z is going to happen, it's going to happen. Might take me additional time, but that's the outcome I'm going to manifest. So I think a lot of that, thankfully, on my end was, was culturally or was, was culturally instilled. Um, and of course, I have my parents to thank for that. So big shout out to them. 
That's awesome, man. That's awesome. I, I definitely feel like it's something that the values were there for me, but meaning like my parent, everyone teaches your kids, you know, be honest, you know, your word is your bond, all that. But, um, I think in our culture, it's less prominent. Would you agree that in the, in the U S it's less like, uh, that sort of dedication and commitment is less common. I don't think that the dedication or the commitment is less common. I think the shame around not doing what you said you would do is less common. So for example, it's, it's, for example, let's take a small thing, right? Like showing up on time to something for me, I'm an overachiever in that again, culturally, that's, that's just how we were brought up. Um, it is so normally acceptable to be late to meetings here, right? In Germany, do you know that it's actually normal to show up one meeting early or one minute early for meetings? Mm -hmm. Right. So it's just a different standard here in the United States in terms of um, our sense of shame is a very strong word. But I even if I could take that down a notch of like maybe how bad we feel for not doing something we said we'll do or I'll do it tomorrow or it's OK. Right. Like I think there's just less of that where we come from. Um, and that would be the difference there. But definitely don't like Americans as a culture, like we are some of the most, you know, biggest hustlers, the, the most committed folks. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, we just don't have that that sense of shame when when we, you know, we're okay with okay, it didn't happen. Like some mm -hmm. most people are more okay with that, I think. Right, right. I like that though. I, I like that uh, that gave you some grit. It sounds like definitely. Um, definitely. So for those listening who don't feel like they have a purpose, right? They're maybe they're selling. They're kind of floating through their career. They're not really sure how they got into sales or what's going to happen next, but they don't. They don't know why they're doing it. They don't have a purpose. Is it possible to find their purpose in your opinion or, or, or the, a direction they should go down or do they have to kind of wait for it to come to them? Obviously, hopefully it doesn't come in the way it happened for you, but do you have a, any thoughts on that? Definitely. Um, yeah, I, I also hope that, you know, it doesn't have to get to that, that point for folks, but hey, sometimes it does take a, a physical large catastrophe or something like that to really spark change. But I think it goes back to, two things I mentioned in the, in the first answer, which is that, that natural process versus the, the one that's a little more forced. And I think for everyone, the answer is it depends, right? Uh, I think there's probably a lot of people who can say they've gotten to a point in their life where they've had it right. And they really need to see some change. And that might be, you know, I've had it with looking a certain way. I want to lose weight. I've had it with my financial habits being a certain way. I want to start saving. Right. And I think once people reach that kind of a moment, that maybe is a catalyst that can help people start to find their purpose because they say, you know what, what I have right now is not serving me. I don't like it. I don't feel good with it. Clearly I need something else. And so I think for most people, it tends to be that kind of a journey. Not all of us are lucky in the sense that we get to have a purpose that's served up to us, or we come from a culture where, you know, something is more defined or something like that. But um, yeah, I think the majority of folks, they're going to find it naturally through their own experiences. And they'll find out, you know, through those experiences, what things feel good, what things don't feel good. And the, as, as they narrow that down, you know, what does feel good versus what doesn't, I think they'll start to find that purpose. But yeah, I always think there's, there's two ways, that natural and then that forced one. So everyone's on their way. It's just a matter of when. So let's talk about kind of the beginning again. When you, when this happened to you, obviously horrible and you realize you have some added responsibility. How did you decide what direction to go? What did you start doing to make sure you could take care of your family? 
Hmm. Well, I think the first thing I started doing was just intentionally asking for help. I mean, uh, really my first guiding light, the first, you know, let's call it a sign from the universe. But I was working at Kohan selling shoes in Fort Myers, Florida. And naturally, I just started being a little more inquisitive with my customers, asking what they did for work, where are they from, just just networking, right? Um, and one day I asked the right questions to the right person who happened to be working at Gartner um, in Fort Myers. And shout out to Johnny. I'll never forget him. We're still close on LinkedIn. Um, but me and Johnny, the gentleman that walked in the store that day, we had a conversation. Um, he told me about Gartner and he mentioned an internship program. And he was like, you know what? You might be a good fit. And he gave me his card. And man, that was the that was everything I needed right there. Once he gave me that card and I found out about this company, I set everything else in motion that I possibly could to get as close to that company as possible. And boom, three years later, I became an intern, got a full-time job and ended up staying there for five years. So honestly, it just came from that one behavior switch of being a little more intentional with the economic opportunity I had at Kohan, talking to those customers more and boom, something found me. So it was really, that was the key behavior, I think, that that went into uh, me finding that 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 route that could take me where I wanted to go. That's crazy. So you were selling shoes at Kohan. Johnny walks in and you, I mean, obviously must've been very impressed with him, right? He must've been someone that you, you were like, Hey, I want to be like that. Is that how it was or what kind of, cause I mean, it sounds like you waited three years from that moment to where you could even get the internship. I mean, that's so, some dedication. <laughs> yeah. So the reason, I mean, Johnny, Johnny was looking at the most expensive bag that we had in the store, candidly. So uh, from a goal attainment in the store perspective, you know, I wanted to, to help to help him out and uh, see if he wanted the bag or not. So I, I just started talking to him casually about the bag and how much I liked it. Right. And I was like, I think I, I told him I contemplated spending my whole check on it one time. And he's like, it's a nice bag, man. It could be a good, good thing for a weekend trip I have coming up. And I'm like, that's funny. It's called the Weekender. And then I, I asked him questions about where he went to school and he went to the same college as me. I was like, oh, what did you study? He's like, I studied marketing. I'm like, me too. And then uh, I was like, what did you end up doing afterwards? And he's like, oh, I worked for this company called Gartner. I was like, oh my gosh. So um, yes, it was three years in the sense uh, of the time between me having that conversation and becoming a full-time employee. But that same year, let's say that was April timeframe, later in October, I found out about an open house where I learned about the internship. That December, mm -hmm. I applied for the internship. That January, interviewed, right? In the fall, accepted, whatever it was. Um, but yeah, and so there was many events in between that led up to that final moment of getting the job offer. But that meeting, Johnny, that was the first catalyst amongst you know several others along along that path that allowed me to manifest that, that result for my family. <laughs> That's cool, man. You can't really see it when you're in it, right? You don't know what's coming next. <laughs> But like looking back, it's so cool to see how it all links together. It, it really is, man. And that's, that's another, you know, if, if I had to recommend a tool for folks, like, you know, not everybody loves to write, but man, there's something very powerful about journaling. Like I still have old journals where I wrote about the day I met, you know, Johnny in the store, like how I was battling with something. And now all these journals later, I get to go back into that and see kind of what happened. So um, it's true. You never know where, where one action is going to take you, but man, take the action. Just take it. You know, it doesn't matter where it's going to take you, but take the action. Dude, that's so crazy. And the one thing I, 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 that really sticks out to me about this is, and I've, I've been guilty of this in the past where I say, Hey, I want this goal. I want to achieve this. 
And then I go and start learning about all the different ways I could get there. And I just keep learning and learning and learning and learning and learning. And I don't actually start walking towards the goal, right? Taking action steps. But you immediately, you know, you start to be more inquisitive with your customers. You start to learn more, network a little bit more. And then when you had something that triggered in in your mind, you're like, hey, and that led to the next thing. And you ended up at Gartner. So it, it, it... was there something intentional about that or is that just sort of by sort of by accident that you maybe started taking those actions or did you kind of intuitively know, you know, I have to do something? Hmm. Well, I think the, the instinctual of, I have to do something that was there, right? Because I knew that, Hey, I'm working at a hourly job right now. I think at the height, like after, Cause when my father passed, I asked for a, a promotion. I asked to be a key holder. And I think I was getting paid like 11 bucks an hour. Um, but I knew that wasn't going to be enough to sustain me, especially after college, right? Like my mom has a, a house to pay for, like we're both in college, like, you know, uh, we, we have a lot of bills, et cetera. So I think that part of me knowing something had to change was, was always there. But in terms of the intent, I think the most intentional act that I committed during this whole thing was just knowing where I wanted to go. I knew that the solution for me was financial stability. We had lost that pillar with my father passing that needed to be replaced. So I was very solid on the outcome. Just, just knowing, Hey, I want to be able to be in a career where I can replace my father's income, but then also substantially grow it after time. And with me having such a crystal clear picture of the outcome, I was just always acting in ways that I thought would get me there. Right? So it's like, I know the starting point. I know the ending point. The middle is very foggy but I'm gonna try whatever I can in the middle to see what works. And for example, the conversation with Johnny, like that worked. So I kept doing more of that. And that allowed me to not only just make professional relationships, but even find unofficial mentors and therapists along the way. Like when I couldn't afford therapy, I actually met this individual, uh, his name is Ron, at a cigar bar I used to go to in Fort Myers. Um, And I would do this because I couldn't afford the drinks. The cigar was five bucks. I could go and casually relax, you know, whatever. And it was within within my budget. Um, but I met this individual and, you know, told him about the story, started being more inquisitive with him. And he ended up becoming a lifelong friend who helped me actually finish paying for school. So again, just being more inquisitive, um, talking to to others, being intentional about the outcome, not necessarily too concerned with the middle part, but just knowing where you're at, where you want to go, that the rest takes care of itself. If you have those two points outlined, the middle will happen. It doesn't matter how, but as long as you know where you're at and where you need to be, it'll figure itself out. Yeah, there's something really powerful about direction. When you know where you're going, you know, it becomes pretty clear things that you can do to get closer to it, right? Exactly. And, and when you're motivated, it, you'll do it naturally because you care. Right. I love exactly. that, man. All right. Mm-hmm. So, so, all right. So now you're at Gartner. Did you immediately, was the internship a sales thing? What, what, tell me about that. Yeah. So it was, it was straight up SDR work. Like we were SDRs for, for 90 days. We had to cold call, send emails, do whatever it takes to get meetings, as many meetings as possible. Um, and that was tough, man. I remember the first maybe two or three days of the internship, everyone was struggling. Like nobody booked any meetings. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of crazy. And everyone's, you know, starting to get together and talk about how hard this is and how challenging it is. And it was, it was, but man, the next day somebody got a meeting. And then boom, the meeting started coming in and I forgot, I want to say I finished with 46 meetings, something like that, which wasn't even close. I mean, someone had a hundred. So like just to give you the range, like Mm -hmm. I was in the middle, 
middle performing range, if you will. Um, but it was a great experience, right? I got to meet other kids from across the country that came from way different schools, different perspectives, different way of, of doing things, behaving. Um, but then I also got introduced to Gartner, right? And I learned about the career of, of technology sales, which I never even thought of in college. Didn't even cross my mind. Didn't even, like, never would have entered my, my mind. Um, so a lot of good came out of that. But yeah, it was very difficult. It definitely caused me to question my, my goals at times. Like, is this possible? Can I really do this? So I really had to maintain my faith, you know, during that time. Um, but thankfully I did. And I had good people around me that were able to help me, you know, keep pushing down that path. And uh, yeah, I was able to get an offer at the end, but definitely, uh, definitely not the easiest path, but we made it through. That's awesome, man. That, that <laughs> when you're not even expecting to be in sales, right. And then you get thrown into this <laughs> SDR role that, I mean, those are tough, man. No experience. First time on the phones, just like getting murdered out there. I was Not... going to say, man, it was like when the first time someone picked up, oh my God, I was so, wow. Like yeah, just, yeah. I couldn't even talk. Like just the nerves just crushed you in the moment. So yeah. but that's the other thing, right? Getting comfortable with those skills, fostering those skills, like all that came from the internship. So thank you for Gardner. That's awesome, man. So um, all right. So you're at Gartner, right? You got the offer. Yeah. You mentioned in our other conversation that you spent a lot of time studying and learning, and I'm going to combine that with kind of two in one, or maybe it's the same. We'll see. But so what methods have you used? And maybe especially at the beginning, did you use to level up your game? Hmm. Three things. I think that I consistently was doing. Number one was when I turned, I want to say it was 20, 20 or 21. Um, I started reading 10 pages every day. No, this was definitely 21, 21 or 22. Cause it was after my father passing. Um, I started reading 10 pages a day. And at first I was reading books that were all about just personal development. I think I started with like think and grow rich, stuff like that. Um, and I wanted to do that because I was aware that, I, as, as a 20 year old kid growing up in Port St. Lucie, Florida, having gone to, to college at FGCU, like I only knew so much, right? I've only known what I've seen, right? I've been in my fishbowl. I only know what I know, but there's so much I don't, right? So reading 10 pages a day, that was a way for me to learn, you know, what has, what have others accomplished? What are others doing in this world? What is really possible? Like how far can this vision really go? And that helped me paint, paint a picture of the possible but also just learn a ton in the process, right? Um, and switch to different topics like psychology or neuroscience or meditation or whatever it was, right? But reading 10 pages a day really helped me understand how far can I go, what's possible and what have others done, right? To kind of help me create the path. Um, the second thing was journaling. I have to go back to that. And even for the purpose of this podcast, I brought out, uh, this is my first journal ever, the black one. It says volume one on it. Oh, and that's my nice. most recent one, volume 20. Um, and I got to say, it's just, it's always a blast going back through these to see the growth, to see the things you used to be worried about, stressed out about, the things you used to uh, claim as goals, right? Like I'll go back in here sometimes and be like, wow, remember when I wanted to buy those plane tickets for my family? Oh, I bought those plane tickets. You know what I mean? And so it's just, it's just a very easy way to see your own personal growth and measure that over time. But more importantly, it's just a way for you to also get, get these thoughts on paper, right? That which, which can arguably help you produce them in your real life, but more importantly, get them out of your head too. So a little bit of therapeutic work for me um, as well has always been been journaling. And then the last thing I have to say is 
is having a coach. Um, I got very lucky. Somebody cold LinkedIn DM'd me my first, no, my second year at Gartner, 2016. Yeah, I know it sounds so funny to say cold LinkedIn DM me, but, yeah. and they did it in, in 2016 too. So right. way before it was cool, before everyone They're was ahead of the it. game, <laughs> man, ahead of the times. Shout out to Brian Hines. That's the name of the guy. But he, he um, DM'd me and he's like, hey man, like, tell me about your goals. Like just this weird kind of salesy approach about goals. And I was like, getting the slimy feel. I was like, dude, what is this all about? Like, can you just be real with me? Like, what are you trying to do? And he was trying to sell a, a package, I guess, uh, but, but basically a professional development slash coaching service where it was these groups, uh, this group of like 20 or 30 individuals, all sellers um, and all men as well. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. But um, basically he wanted me to fly out to California, spend $500 to evaluate an event and see if I would be, you know, a good fit with this program. And at first, I'm just like, dude, you want me to pay 500 bucks? Like, I'm, I'm still starting to get, I'm still trying to get financially stable. You want me to spend 500 bucks, fly to California for something I don't know? Like, no, like, absolutely right. not. No. Yeah. I, uh, he ends up uh, asking me to speak with like his leader, essentially, uh, to talk more about the event and what I could expect. All that. I talked to that guy, and I'm like, listen, I want you to put me on the phone with somebody else who's uh, in SaaS sales. And I want to talk to them and ask them about, you know, how their experience has been. I talked to this guy who worked at SAP, awesome conversation. He sold me on the spot. I was like, let's go. So I went, um, ended up being one of the most changing, like life-changing weekends of, of, of my life. Um, these guys were, I'm just going to say like Tony Robbins-esque to give you the energy in the room. Um, and they were all about, you know, showing us a sales framework that we could use despite the industry that we were in. Cause a lot of us were in different industries. Um, they showed us the sales framework. They showed us how to focus on nutrition, how to focus on our energy, how to be super energy rich all the time. Um, even, even how to be, you know, better husbands for the people in the room that had families and how to be better to women. There was like just how to level up as a man, to be honest. Um, and this program was called Epic Impact. And there were other elite sellers. Like, I don't know if you know Ian Cognac, uh, one of the top guys at Salesforce, Alex Kremer over at Outreach. Like I was in the, the uh, in this program with these guys. Um, but that program was super expensive and I was 22 and the actual cost was 20 K a year. And I remember when I first heard that and I was like, Oh my God. And logically I couldn't make it make sense. Right. And I had just gotten my promotion at the time. Um, so financially like I could do it, but I couldn't save a penny it would like destroy my quality of life. So quickly before the logic could take over, cause I knew in my heart, like this was something I needed to do. Like it felt good. Right. I was like, let me just sign, just sign, just sign, get it done. Um, and that program, I ended up, it ended up changing my life completely. So definitely have to say that coaching is something that's instrumental, whether it's a sales coach, a personal coach, um, even a therapist, I think can act as a coach in some ways, but you need to have somebody and it could be an unofficial, unofficial mentor too, but you need to have somebody, um, actually this is something I learned from the program. They said you need three kinds of friends, right? You need friends who are like a step beneath you and not in the sense of like class or finances or anything, but literally like skill-wise, life-wise, uh, not life-wise, but I guess personal development-wise, right? Like maybe someone who's less clear on their purpose, maybe someone who's younger, maybe someone who's less advanced in their career, who's less just, you know, just not there yet in terms of what, knowing what they want, how to get there. Then you need people who are on your level exactly where you're at. And then you need people who are above you, so to speak. You need those people who are below you because they need a teacher and you need practice teaching others. 
you're in the perfect position to give them value and teach them what you've learned already, helping them progress on their path. You need people who are with you at the same level and at the same path, the same point in the journey, because you need somebody to emotionally vent to about the challenges that you face daily, someone who can relate to that, right? So you need relatability, you need exchange there, that person needs to vent to you, vice versa. And then of course, we need someone who's a little bit more advanced than us, so we can learn from them, so we can illuminate the darkness that's left in our path that we have to go down, right? So I think, again, as long as you have that person who can act as that third role, that's definitely a must have uh, if you're trying to really level up your game in any, in any game that you play, but you need that person who has leveled up further than you have. Yeah. I like that. I've actually never heard that before. Like that framework. I love those three levels because sometimes I've heard people say, no, you need, if you're, if you're hanging out with people that are at your level or below you, then you're the best guy in the room and you're never going to have any motivation. So they always recommend getting the, the guys ahead of you. But I always thought, I'm like, that's kind of weird. I'm not going to just like not hang out with people, you know, that I, that are my friends, but that makes a lot of sense, you know? And, and, uh, I actually love that. Even just thinking about it that way, because it empowers you to help others too. Right. Yes. Yes. It's not all about you because you're giving like for those people who are a step, uh, you know, below you or not as, not as far along as you are, you're giving them something. But as you give to them, you also give to yourself because let's be real, the experience of teaching others builds confidence in us, right? So it's like by us giving, we actually receive at the same time. And it's a totally mutually beneficial exchange there. Same thing with at the, at the same level, right? Like they get their frustration out. Maybe they learn something for us. Maybe we learn something from them. But either way, we're at a point of commonality where we can have a beautiful discussion together. And then you know what happens with the third. So yeah, yeah I agree. It's uh, when I heard it too, it, it blew my... It, that's the type of stuff I heard that made me realize, like, I need to be a part of this. Yeah. This makes sense. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Wow. What yeah. a crazy, like, you took a leap on that 20K. Dude. Like, okay, I can do it. But, man, and you went <laughs> for it, man. That's that's incredible. I think that is the difference, man. I One of the things I love about talking with you is is, like, I think for me, to me, your story really comes down to, purpose you know without that purpose are you are you spending 20k on that group probably absolutely not, not. No, no man no way like yeah i mean it's true like that's that's actually a really good point i think when you're able to spend money towards your vision that's something that really like you know tethers you to that right like it, it's it's cool to write it down in a journal and say yeah i really want to do this but then you pay someone 20,000 or any amount of money, any sum of money to help you manifest such an outcome. Like now it's really real. Now you're putting forth actual effort into the vision that you've had. And that's, that's also a very, a very big moment for people, right? When you financially invest or you take significant action. And I would argue at that point, there's no going back, right? Especially after an investment of that size, it's like, okay, I'm doing this. Like, this is not, not happening. I'm totally bought in. So I think on one end, it's a way for us to learn, right? Obviously by having a coach, but it also, it's also a way to better, better tether us to our goals and make sure that we get to that point of like, we're not having a plan B, we're not turning back. Like, this is it, we're doing this, you know? Um, and we're gonna find a way. So yeah, I think that's a great point you brought up, man. Thank you for that. That's awesome, man, I love it. All right, so one of the things you mentioned before was that reps need to stop running on autopilot and coasting. Mm -hmm. So why is that so important 
and what should they do instead? So I think, right, if we just define autopilot real quick, autopilot is same old standard de facto normal operating procedures. It's boring. We're not doing anything new. And if we don't do anything new, we can't manifest new results. Also, if we're just talking about the profession of sales, I think we have to admit our buyers are in a, are in a period of time where there's more choice than ever, right? Even us as consumers, if Spotify messes up on my song even once, I'm going to go listen to it on YouTube, right? Like we have more choice than ever. So as a result, we have more, um, our customers are getting inundated with, with so many sales messages or different things, right? And there's so many options. So we as sellers, we need to do a better job of standing out. And if you're running on autopilot, you cannot stand out because you're just going to do what everyone else has been doing, thus getting ignored. So for me, I think really it's, it's just about you need to turn off autopilot if you want to manifest any sort of significant results, right? If you're all about status quo and you just want to smooth by and, and cruise along, sure, keep the status quo, it'll serve you well. But if you want to be a top performer, if you want to up-level in your career, if you want to manifest any outcome that's more significant than what you're currently bringing into your life, you're going to have to stop operating on autopilot. And I think that, you know what, it's actually, it's funny. All this is, like turning off autopilot, is just, it just comes down to being more intentional about your time, right? Like, let's, let's just think about people when they're more intentional with their writing, we call that personalization. When people are more intentional about what they eat, we call that a diet. When people are more intentional about how they spend, we call that maybe a saving strategy. And so all this comes down to is just, you gotta just be a little more intentional with your time. That's all. Stop running on autopilot, pick the outcome, be more intentional with your time. That is what we must do. That's awesome. I mean, I can just see that just doing that switches the game from, we'll see what happens today to focused, right? Yes. Yes. We want to avoid we want to add as much specificity as we can to our lives in terms of what we want, right? Like some people say, I just want to be comfortable. Well, what does that really mean? Like, uh, I want to like, like, let's, let's specify that a little bit. What is comfortable to you? Uh, so I think people, yeah, it would serve everyone to, to be a little bit more specific in terms of their own goals, their own outcomes. Um, and even just generally in day-to-day -day conversation, right? Like I, with my customers, I hate to be vague. Honestly, I love to be as specific as possible. Like, Hey, we're going to review page five of this, because I think it can give you a certain insight about initiative X, Y, Z, right? Not like, Hey, we're just going to talk about your initiatives today. So yeah, I think, uh, adding a dose of specificity, whether it's for your own goals, knowing where you want to go, or even in a sales conversation, it's always going to benefit everybody involved. So for those hearing this for the first time, what are maybe like one to three things that they should start doing right away? I think number one, people should really start thinking about, I'm not going to say decide, I'm not going to say write it down, but people need to allocate time to think about what are the outcomes I really want to manifest? What are the things I genuinely want um, that, I, that I feel would bring me more goodness in my life? We need to get on that because once we know those things, we can have more clarity, right? Again, going back to what we said before about knowing where you're at and knowing where you want to go. The middle is less important, but we really need to decide on that end state because again, that's going to fuel us. The vision of that is going to fuel us to get there. So I think we need to get that clarity by really identifying or dedicating time to think about what do we really want, right? What do we actually want in this life? So I think that's number one. 
Um, number two is once you've done that, find the people who have done that stuff. They're out there. Trust me, they're out there. Anything that you're thinking that you want to do personally, whether it's make a certain amount of income, achieve a certain specific outcome, I don't know, become famous, whatever it is, go viral. There's someone who's done it. There's so many people who have done it. Find those people, study them relentlessly. If they put out content, follow that content. If they have a paid offering and it's reasonable for your budget, pay for that offering, right? Do the things, follow the folks who have, who have manifested the outcomes that you so badly want to manifest. And then number three, you know, once you follow those people, study them, learn them, just put what you've learned into practice. That's really all it comes down to. So to recap, right, decide, allocate time to thinking about what that end state is, find the people who have reached that end state, study them, and what, whatever you learn from that study, put that into practice. I can almost guarantee that if you do that, you will get 1% closer to manifesting that outcome that you want. Like for me personally, in February, I made the decision to my management that I was going to communicate like, hey, I want to sell a million dollar deal, right? What did I do? I put some action towards that. I put a lot of thinking towards that. I wrote it down a lot of times. Cool. But basically, I, I was able to find a coach. Um, I didn't make that outcome happen, but I sold the biggest deal of my life this year. And so even though the final outcome of selling the million dollar deal didn't manifest, we got very, very close to it. And I still passed a personal threshold in my career. And I feel more confident than ever in my ability to get it next time. So no matter what, even if we don't hit the goal the first time, we need to know where we want to go, find the people who have done it, and then just put what we learn into practice. Um, and I can, again, just almost guarantee that, that you're going to hit it if you do those three things. And thank you. That is perfect. So this is the part where we get to learn how we can connect with you and you can promote anything that you want to. Um, so tell us, I know you have, you're on LinkedIn, but what's the best place to connect with you and, and learn more about you and, and, uh, and, uh, learn what you have coming up. Yeah, man. Uh, so I think LinkedIn is definitely the, the main platform I direct people to. The reason for that is if you go to my feature section, um, you'll find a link tree, uh, or a link that brings you to my link tree. And from there I have uh, you know, a free sales hypothesis guide. Also, as of yesterday, I just put out my, my own personal book um, that's called the FDA Framework. And it actually lays out the individual framework of you know, how I stay committed to my purpose. So if you're interested in that, you can take a look at the book as well. Um, but yeah, follow me on LinkedIn. I post daily content there um, and we'll be uh, unloading some more sales resources for folks who are interested in things about how to, you know, things, things like how to uh, create a point of view in sales and create a sales hypothesis. So definitely LinkedIn for now, follow me there, post daily and yeah, check it out. Sweet, man. And the, uh, the FDA framework framework is linked up on the link tree. Correct. Yep. You'll okay, see cool. say new ebook FDA framework. And then a few links below that, you can see the SoundCloud link if you want to check out music too. Dang, and all the, the links, the links to the music are actually in the book because they go, it's kind of like a soundtrack, but some of the songs correlate to chapters in the book. So you can, uh, you can, read the book and hear the music at the same time if you'd like. Dude, that's awesome. You better believe, man. I'm going to be listening to those tonight. So, I want to hear your feedback, man. Let me know. Oh, dude, <laughs> listen, I'm not much of a, of a you know, musical guy, but uh, I'll, mm -hmm. I'll probably just love it. I'll tell you Sounds what, good. funny enough, I'm not a rap guy, really. I listen to mostly like, you know, rock, you know, alternative mm -hmm. from uh, from like the late 90s, early 2000s. That was kind of my, my era. Golden era. But there was one song when I was in cross country, the one rap song I listened to, and I'm going to forget the name, but it was an Eminem song. It was the one that was like, lose yourself in the, 
music yeah. moment, whatever that one was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. lose yourself. When, lose yourself. Okay, and I was on the on the bus to the to our cross country and track meets. Mm-hmm. That was a song I was always listening to on the way yeah. there because I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna get it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know that's a good that's one a, that's, that's a good one. really inspirational song but all right anyways dude thank you so much for spending some time with us uh we're gonna hang no out problem. of course after we hit stop here but uh but really a pleasure and and fantastic story hopefully in the future we can have you back oh man i would love to thank you again for the opportunity man i uh, really appreciate it and yeah great speaking today thank you